Hello and welcome to episode six of the Camino Voice. On this episode, I interview the current owner and operator of Camino Island Coffee Roasters, TJ Fittis. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, Subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to the Camino Voice. On this episode, I have the owner and operator of Camino Island Coffee Roasters, a semi-pro footballer or soccer for Americans, and my brother-in-law. Please welcome TJ Fittis to the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Yeah. So there's a lot of things I want to go over. Um, but I just want to start, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm actually not from Washington State. Uh, I grew up in Northern Ireland, actually. My uh, dad was born and raised there. Uh, I was born here in the States, and when I was about a year old, my parents moved back. And then when I was 18, I moved back here for college. Um, and people always ask, like, where's my accent? Um, it's weird, like, when I talk to my, my folks or friends from back home, it comes back. But when I talk to an American like you, it just reverts back to like an American accent. Plus, my mom's American, so they say you always kind of favor the mom accent versus your dad's accent. Uh, so I think that's where some of that comes from. So, Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm expecting you from here on out throughout the podcast to speak in your Irish accent. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, people were probably kind of like, wait a second. I thought that guy Jeff owned Camino Island Coffee Roasters. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about that. Just that's more of a recent change, right? Yeah, so um, since April, actually. So I've worked with Camino Island Coffee Roasters for eight years, um, or it's nearly eight years. It'll be eight years in October. And I started off doing marketing and then ended up uh, running more of the day to day of the company as Jeff was uh, working on some other projects. And then just recently, Jeff had kind of approached me and said, hey, you know, I think that, you know, you guys should go ahead and buy the company and take it over. And so we thought about it and prayed about it and did the research. And six months later, we closed on a loan to buy the business. So uh, it's really exciting. It's actually something I've always wanted to do, but didn't know that, you know, whether I was ready or whether we were in a position to do it. And uh, Jeff gave us the nudge to do it. So it's exciting. You know, it's staying in the biz in the family, you know, and of course Jeff is still helping us with this, with it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really fun so far. Very cool. So you started, um, uh, so I know you, you know, you've worked with a company for eight years now. Um, but what were you doing before that? So you went to college, uh, where did you go to college then? So I went to a small Christian school down in Florida called Pensacola Christian College and that's actually where I first heard about Camino Island. Um, I was an English lit and writing major, and I had this journalism class. It was like a, it was like a nonfiction article writing class, and so I was really getting into coffee at the time. I was like a sophomore and junior in college, and I had this friend, and her dad owned this coffee company, and so I thought, well, this would be really cool if she could like get me his number. I could interview him for this class. So I interviewed Jeff for. Um, for this class about, you know, Camino Island coffee roasters and about the coffee industry generally. And then he gave, connected me some other roasters. And so I actually had this really great piece I got to do for class that got me a good grade because I actually interviewed 
the owners of these coffee companies to write this, you know, this article. Um, and yeah, so that's how I first heard about um, Camino Island was was through a friend at school who I ended up dating and marrying, who is your sister. Yeah. Yeah. So he dated and married my sister, Destiny. Um, so I mentioned that, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Just making sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so then you got out of college, um, but you didn't jump in with the company for quite a while. What, what happened right after college? Where'd you go? What were you doing? So uh, Destiny was a nursing major. So when she first got out of school... Uh, her, you know, when you're a new grad, the only thing you get is like grave shift. And so, uh, we just got married and she got this grave shift working at Seattle Children's. And I was like, well, I'm never going to see her, right? She's working graves and I'm working during the day. So like, what, what kind of jobs can you get working grave shift, you know? So I had applied to a bunch, bunch of different places and I'd actually done sales all the way, all the way through college, like paid my way through college doing sales. So I had some background with that, that actually translated really well to the coffee company. So like what kind of grave shift sales job are you going to get? You know? So I ended up stocking shelves at the QFC in Wallingford. Um, that's where we were living at the time when we first got married. And I did that for about two and a half months, but I'd also put in an application at Seattle Pacific university for their campus security department. Uh, just because I thought that might be kind of a fun job to have, you know, just for a couple of years while Des is, you know, just kind of getting through the, early, you know, the new grad kind of learning curve uh, working in a hospital. And uh, I'd put in the application like six months before, didn't hear anything. I thought, oh, well, you know, it's not going to go anywhere. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, they called me and brought me in and like one interview and hired me on the spot. And so the next thing I know, I'm working as a campus security officer is what they call it. And... Um, yeah, it was a fun gig, actually, you know, being a, it's, it's got a, you know, there's a, a great energy on a college campus, you know, um, and, you know, so it was, a, it was a fun job. So I did that for actually two years grave shift and then one more year on day shift and then kind of halfway through that third year started transitioning to doing sales and marketing for Jeff here at the Roaster. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of been my story uh, from when we first moved out to Washington State to when I got here. So, yeah. Okay. So you, you got, <clears throat> you were working grave shift. Um, and then once you got hired on as, as day shift, how long were you still with them until you moved on? Uh, I think I was there probably another six months. So I was working there. It was actually, it worked out really great because I would work here during the week and then I'd work there on weekends. So for about six months I was working like seven days a week but it didn't feel like seven days a week because the work was so completely different you know um and so it allowed me to help Jeff with building the company and growing the company um in those kind of early days here at Camino on Coffee Roasters um and you know my focus was really on building subscribers right coffee subscribers so we ship coffee to thousands of members across the U.S. Um, and actually in that first, you know, initially the idea was he would help me get some job experience so I could go get a job somewhere else, you know, some job in the city. And in that, those first 12 months, you know, I just got really lucky and a number of my projects did really, really well. And, um, so that would have been end of 2011 is when I started. And then 2012 was the year that, um, I was working SPU and here, uh, for the first half. And in 2012, my marketing projects did really well. And by the end of 2012, we doubled our subscriber base. So at that point, Jeff was like, well, we got to have this guy come on full time. Uh, and then, you know, just went on from there. So, um, yeah, 
really fortunate in that first year that it, it worked out so well. So you're working, you started this kind of more of like an internship type project. Yeah. Although you were doing it full time mostly. Yeah. Um, and then with that, <clears throat> what did the company look like when you entered? Like what was, uh, what was kind of the structure? How were things going? What was going on? Um, there were a couple of guys working on marketing. Um, but they, the difference was, and this kind of comes back to my time at school, I had paid my way through school doing telemarketing, which I know is kind of like this, like, oh, I hate telemarketers. And I hate them too. Um, but what I was doing, I was actually selling New York Times subscriptions. So it was like really, really quick, right? And from, from my perspective, I learned really quickly that, you know, the key to surviving in that industry is to just get through as many calls as you can to get to the people who are actually interested. So when I was telemarketing, it was like the first six or seven seconds, I just said the same thing every single time. We kind of zoned out. And if they acted remotely interested, then I'd pay attention, right? Because I was expecting within five seconds, I'm going to get a hang up, which is actually what I wanted, right? Because if they're not even remotely interested, hang up so I can get to the next person who is interested, right? So the reason I explain all of that is that that was really helpful um, when I actually started working here at the roaster because we, one of the events we worked, one of the projects we worked on were uh, like events and promotions. So doing farmers markets, state fairs, that sort of thing. And so you have like a little more time at, when you're doing a face-to-face -face event, like maybe 15 seconds to get someone's attention um, to talk about coffee. But it's kind of a similar sales process, right? Because you're, you're building value in the product, you're explaining why it's different, and then you're trying to convince someone to sign up for the subscription, right? To get our coffee on an ongoing basis. Um, and so the experience that I had from college actually really helped me here, my first year here, in selling coffee face-to-face -face with people. Right. And I think, I think something that's misunderstood by, by people is with sales, um, you know, if someone, the layman hears that, they're like, well, then we're just a number to, to those people, right? We're just, they're just passing us through until you find one that you can keep and then you throw the rest back. But really, I think with that approach, you're really, for both sakes, you're trying to, you know, if you're not interested and they're not interested... It's yeah. not a good match. You don't want to waste anybody's time. Right. So you're really just like, and you know, if you're in that position and you're like, this is not something I'm interested in as a customer, you're like, I just want to end this conversation. So by being the person that just ends it, you know, letting that person get their cup of coffee and move on, you know, you're doing both of yourselves a favor. And then when you get someone that's really interested in your story and what you're doing, um, and really the story behind the coffee. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to like force someone to listen to you, right? I mean, if they want their free sample of coffee and to walk on their merry way, like, sure. I mean, that's okay. That's, you know, we're here to do that too. It's a, still a positive experience, I think. Um, but yeah, and it, what happens is maybe a, a year or two later, you do the same show and that same person who wasn't interested, they're like, hey, I've talked to you before, haven't I? And of course, you know, you talk to thousands of people you don't remember exactly, and then then maybe they sign up that next time, right? Because they you started you had, you left you left them with a good impression, right? So, to me, it's not about like trying to really forcefully like cram this coffee down someone's throat and like force them to, to buy it or something, or you know, it's just about sharing what makes the coffee different and why we love doing it, and you know, just offering them an opportunity to kind of join us in the journey that we're on to provide people with a better coffee experience and also help, you know, farmers back, back at, uh, origin, you know, where they're growing the coffee. So trying to do it sustainably. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe dig more into that. What, what is kind of your mission base of your company and, and, um, and where, like, 
Like what, what sets it apart from other coffee companies and, and things sure. like that? Yeah, so we're, we're not in stores. Now, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are probably in the Stanwood Camino area, and they know that we're in the Hagen and QFC in Stanwood and the IGA Plaza on Camino. But outside those three grocery stores, we're not in any other grocery stores, which is pretty unusual, uh, especially for a coffee company our size, that we wouldn't be in stores. And the reason why we're in those three stores is because we actually manage that ourselves. We go out there. Uh, I actually have been working on that project specifically the last couple of months um, in making sure that the stock is rotated, that the coffee's fresh, uh, that it, you know it's taken care of on the shelf. Um, and, and so we're able to keep it relatively fresh. But that's one of our approaches. We're trying to create a better coffee experience at home. You know, oftentimes the coffee you get off the shelf has been sitting there a while, you know, just because it goes through, uh, usually it goes through a distributor and the distributor sits in their warehouse before it gets brought to the grocery store and it sits on the grocery store shelf before you get it. You know, um, it can sit there for a while, right? So what we're doing instead is we're roasting and shipping direct to your door within 48 hours of roasting it, right? So it's super, super fresh coffee. And that makes a huge difference for flavor. Um, and the other reason that's important for us is that we're paying for really high-end coffee and we hate the idea of paying a high price for it and also coffee that's harder to cultivate, harder to grow for the farmers, only to roast it in a way that maybe helps to helps with longevity, right? If we roast it really dark, it'll be dark regardless of how old it is and you can still drink it. Um, that feels like a missed opportunity both for the coffee drinker, right, for them to experience uh a more intense coffee flavor, um, a more dramatic and complex coffee flavor. Um, and I don't think it's sustainable, right? If we have to go through the normal distribution channels, then there's less margin there to share with our farmers. So what we do instead is by bypassing the stores, we take that markup that would go to the distributor and the grocery store, the middleman essentially, and we pass it on to our members in the form of a discount on their coffee shipment. We also pay for their shipping, and then we send 2% of all of our revenue back to the farmers at Origin through two nonprofit partners that we work with. They're helping them with infrastructure projects there in, in the developing world. So for us, it's better to take a more efficient distribution method that gives the end user, it gives the coffee lover a better coffee experience, and also it provides uh, a bigger piece of the pie back to the farmers. Oh. You know? Yeah, so... <clears throat> Um, so this is actually kind of hearkening back to when you were doing your research for your project back in school. Um, what did you notice with, with other coffee companies when you were talking with them or researching them? Yeah, I guess that was a long time ago. It was probably 12 or 13 years ago. I wrote that, wrote that paper. Um, you know, at the time, you know, the specialty coffee, especially on the East coast where I was in school was kind of, um, wasn't really well known. Starbucks, uh, was a household name, but it wasn't even as big as it is now, right? Um, and so it was kind of this idea of like, um, if you're not really in coffee, you think of coffee as Starbucks. You think of it as like getting lattes or mochas or whatever. And the reality is the majority of coffee is actually, you know, in terms of quantity of coffee is sold for use at home, right? And when you're in college, you're not thinking about that because, you know, you're going to Starbucks or whatever, right? You're not, you're not brewing coffee typically in the dorm room. Um, so <clears throat> that paper specifically was kind of learning more about the industry, uh, around coffee shops. Right. And so that was the thing that kind of stood out for me with Camino and coffee roasters. And that while we did have the shop here, you know, back in those days and my, and actually when I first started working here, the coffee was in the roasting building. Right. 
Um, and so you came into the roasting facility and that's where we had the espresso bar. And then, you know, a few years later, we ended up moving it to Camino Commons Marketplace, um, which people are really familiar with now at this point. Um, but in the earliest days, it was in the roasting building, you know. And so um, for me, it was kind of different learning the different sides of that, whether, you know, coffee for home or coffee in, in an actual coffee shop and the different uh, markets that prefer their coffee that way. So, um, yeah, I think it was just interesting learning all about all of it, really. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> okay, so you've you've gone through these steps and you've now you like you own this new company um how has that how's the transition gone and how was like what's maybe the biggest thing you've kind of learned through this time um well one thing i will say before we bought the company i was the general manager for the the last three years so i have been running the day-to-day uh and kind of had my fingers in all pies so to speak uh and so that's actually been a huge help because you know on day one, you know, taking over the company, you know, not a whole lot changed, right? I mean, we, it's the same business, right? Same business model. It's the same people that work here. Jeff's still around, you know, so it doesn't really feel that much different. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of been re-energizing for me, right? You know, because a lot of times when you work at a place, you can kind of get stale with time, you know? So when we bought the company, I've been here seven, seven and a half years, and you start to kind of get that, like, you know, they call it the seven-year itch, where you're kind of like, well, maybe I wanted to go do something different. Well, for me, it was really energizing just to kind of have this new sense of ownership, you know, pun intended, um, and, and uh, you know, responsibility, right? I kind of really see it more as, like, a stewardship, right, that I've been entrusted with this really awesome organization, that does amazing things both for our members and for farmers at origin, you know? And so it's like the first thought is like, don't screw it up, you know? Um, But at the same time, it's just really exciting to think about where it can go in the future too. Yeah. So with that, do you have certain projects right now that you're really excited about for the coffee roaster? Um, Yeah. I mean, we've been, you know, there's been a lot of kind of, you know, boring kind of, housekeeping stuff we've been working on, some administrative stuff that is tied to the acquisition uh, that is not so exciting. But the other thing that's been really exciting has actually been uh, getting back to basics on some stuff. Uh, You know, my first year here, we did a lot of events and talking to people directly, which is great for growing the business, right? You get signups, you get sales out of that. But it's also, uh, from like a business development standpoint, it's a great way to hone the craft of talking about the business you know, so much of what we do is e-commerce driven. It's all online. And that's great, you know, especially for, you know, someone who, you know, is an English major who's introverted, right? So just sit behind my computer all day long and write copy or write ads or something, right? But that's not even close to talking to someone face-to-face about why they should drink Camino Island coffee, right? And so for me personally, it's been a great uh, practice to practice talking to people about it, you know, face-to-face and, you know, reiterating, you know, daily why we do what we do, you know, and so, and, and, and getting that feedback too, that, you know, what, what people like about it, what people don't like about it, um, and, and working towards providing a better service, you know, so that's been really helpful, you know, in these first few months of ownership. Um, and then, you know, just thinking about some other ways that we can do a better job of, of, of communicating about coffee. So one thing that we've been working on is renovating, our conference room here at the roaster to turn it into a brew lab where we're going to have all kinds of cool coffee gadgets where we can uh, experiment with different coffees and have a place where we could do have classes even where we can have people come in and learn more about coffee. So, um, 
that's something we're, we're really looking forward to this year too. Yeah. Well, I know, <clears throat> I think last year is when you started, um, with, we had, there were certain coffee of the months that we had like tried different blends and stuff. But last year you introduced a couple new coffees, uh, like the Mexican and the Uganda, uh, Ugandan, uh, Nicaragua. That was another one. Yeah. Yeah. And those were, it was just neat to <coughs> see those come in and, um, for anyone listening, when Mexico comes out again, get that because it's an amazing <laughs> coffee. It's, it's really, really good. So. Yeah, it's it's really awesome. In fact, I'd love to bring it back. Um, logistically, we almost have too many coffees. You know, Otherwise, I would probably keep all those new coffees we tried. Um, but also from a sourcing standpoint, a lot of times it's hard to get some of those coffees consistently uh, at, the, at the standard that we require. So that's where you, know, you can get maybe a month's supply and bring it in as a one-time thing to try. And it, you know, keeps it fresh. It gives members something new to try. Um, and of course that's not something that, you know, people buying it at the grocery store will find, you know, it's, that's only something you could find from the factory store or, or through our membership. Right. Well, um, I want to stop you right there. Um, for, for anyone that's listening and doesn't know, what are the standards that you hold your coffee to? Yeah. So we have over 25 different coffees. And then of course, as you mentioned, the coffee of the month, that's another 12 different coffees that are only available throughout the year. Um, they all have to be USDA certified organic. They have to be shade grown, top 1% great Arabica. So these are high elevation coffees, uh, that they take longer to grow. And so they develop more nuanced flavors. Um, and you know, a big part of that is, is the organic certification too, right? So we're making that commitment, uh, for two big reasons. One is, um, in the developing world, they have access to pesticides that we've banned for years previously. And also education is not great in terms of how to use those pesticides. And so there's lots of uh, stories around farmers actually poisoning themselves and their families because they don't know how to safely use the pesticides. Because, I mean, we could sit here and argue all day long the validity of, of you know, synthetic pesticides uh, or organic only, right? Um, and you know, we're not trying to ostracize anybody with that. You know, I mean, there's plenty of people that will eat, you know, corn or beef or whatever that's non-organic, right? But for us, it was twofold. One was trying to protect farmers and incentivize them for growing the best crop possible without synthetic pesticides. And typically, those are the ones that are higher elevation, that are smaller batches. Um, and then secondly, there's not a lot of good research in terms of the effect of the synthetic pesticides on the coffee plant itself, right? So coffee is a very absorbent uh, plant. The flavors within the bean they develop from the soil and the climate where it's grown. And so, you know, the theory is that the roaster burns at such a high temperature that anything that could possibly get through into the bean level, uh, you know, into the cellular walls of the bean, that that would get burned off through roasting. And that's probably true. But again, there's not been a lot of research over a long period of time to say, okay, here's where this has a positive or negative kind of outcome. And so for us, it's largely about the taking care of the farmers and also around incentivizing them to do their best work in terms of cultivating the coffee in a way that produces the best flavor. And we found that committing to organic is kind of a key, key part of that. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I know with, or I guess with, with coffee, since you're, uh, with you running it and everything, I'm sure a lot of people would be interested what is your favorite coffee that Camino Island Coffee cup, like, that they carry? And then what is your favorite brew method to brew that coffee? Yeah, so I, you know, when we do events, I get this question all the time. And it's kind of like, there's really no 
there's no bad coffee that we're sourcing, right? It's more of kind of like flavors, like what do you prefer? You know, so each country kind of develops its own flavor profile, and some have more fruity flavors, some have more kind of simpler, uh, sweeter chocolate flavors. Uh, and then, of course, those flavors are are adjusted or they're dialed in based on what you're looking for, based on the roast preference, right? So if you go with a lighter roast coffee, it's going to be fruitier and more kind of acidic and bright. There's going to be a, a wider range of flavors. So, you're, you know, you can drink a light roast coffee and be like, okay, I'm tasting grapefruit and a little bit of cocoa and a little bit of cherry. And then you wait five minutes, it cools down, and you're like, okay, now it tastes like tangerine. And, like, there's tons and tons of variety. And then you can get a darker roast, and it's, it just tastes consistently the same flavor all the way through, right? So um, those are different strokes for different folks, right? Some people like the lighter roast. Some people like the darker roast. And we, the way we do it is we have a light, medium, and a dark based on, you know, your preference. So getting back to your original question, what my favorite is, um, my favorite dark roast would be our Honduras. Um, and that one has really strong molasses notes. Uh, one way of kind of thinking of it is, like, if you, ha- if you like, like, a really dark beer like a stout or a porter uh that you you know goes really well with the barbecue or whatever that's kind of what the hondo is like it's it's really strong molasses kind of brown sugar notes uh really heavy body uh and so i that's probably my favorite coffee of all of our coffees and then uh for the medium roast i'd probably it's kind of a toss-up between the sumatra medium and the papua new guinea medium um papua new guinea would probably just edge out sumatra but they're both really really good coffees so um but yeah like i said they're all you know a lot of coffee companies will have like cheaper coffees that are just meant to fill a certain market um all of our coffees are priced the same they're all that same high grade quality um so yeah there's no bad coffee it's really just more of the flavor preference what you're looking for yeah like on a weekly basis i will grab you know there's a handful of different coffees that i'll grab depending on my mood uh i know i really enjoy the ethiopian but it's such a complex coffee yeah. that it's not one that like you want to drink every day because you're like okay this See, is really intense <laughs> sometimes i'll take it home and i will drink it every day but actually if you're looking for this is actually another great point i'm glad you, you just reminded me of if you like the ethiopian but you're like man it's just it's such a strong you know in the industry they call it a fruit bomb it's like this overwhelming like really strong blueberry note and it's like it's just too much you know intensity on a day-to-day basis, what I really recommend for folks, I think maybe our best kept secret of a coffee, it's not a huge seller, just because I don't think a lot of people know about it, is we have this African Reserve blend, um, which is a mixture of Ethiopia and Ugandan. And the best way of describing it, to me, it tastes like blueberry pancakes cakes with maple syrup, right? Because it's got this really strong, sweet, kind of heavy-bodied syrupy flavor from the Ugandan with the really strong blueberry flavor. Um, it's a phenomenal coffee. Um, and yeah, when people are kind of asking for like, you know, best kept secret, that's one of them probably. Um, in fact, we, we, for years we had Ugandan as a regular organic coffee that we had on on hand and we had some sourcing issues with it. So we had, had removed that as a product offering. Uh, and we recently brought Uganda back as a coffee of the month. Um, but one of the reasons we had it is we have to keep a certain stock on hand for the African reserve. It's not a lot. You know, in fact, you know, any given year, you know, your listeners on this podcast might wipe out our supply because um, we just don't keep a lot of it. But it's it's a really it's a really great kind of insider secret that we have. So, yeah, that's definitely one of the ones I'll grab on a on a regular basis. And then my like go to if I'm just like not sure what to get, I pretty much always go for the guat medium. I just. OK, it's a very like I just love the flavor of it. Yeah. And um, yeah, absolutely. 
All right. So um, one of the things with the podcast, with Camino Voice specifically, is to help both tourists and locals find spots on the island that um, people that live on the island would know about that a tourist wouldn't. So like someone that just dro- happened upon Camino Island, they wouldn't know to go to all these different spaces and stuff like that. So I, I have a list of fi- rapid fire questions they go over. Um, and they're to help both locals and tourists because maybe there's a spot that you know about that other, even other locals wouldn't know about. Um, so the first question I ask is, um, do you have a secret location on Kameno that you like to go hang out? Um, I don't know that we have a secret location necessarily. Um, my daughter is, she's about to turn three and she loves going to the beach to find like the little tiny, uh, crabs that you'll find in the, not the big Dungeness crabs, but the little tiny crabs you'll find in the, uh, when it's low tide. So, um, the country club is a great spot for that. Um, Iverson beach is a great spot for that. Um, and for those of you who haven't been to Camino, Iverson is kind of more of a sandy beach, which is kind of rare in, on Washington, in Washington state. The other beaches tend to be more rocky, but, um, yeah, Sophie, Sophie loves all of the beaches. So that's, that's typically what we do. You know, if we're looking to just do something quick and fun, you know, being on Camino, you just run down to one of the beaches and let her kind of turn over rocks and find bugs and worms and crabs and stuff. So, yeah, no, for sure. Those are, those are both great beaches. Um, Okay, and then pretend you have a friend coming into town, and this is their first time on Camino. What would their first day look like here? Well, we'd have to go get coffee first, because um, you can't, can't start the day without that. Uh, you know, depending on how much time we have, I might do like a quick drive around the island. I actually think it's a really fun drive just to do the whole loop around the island. You actually get to see a lot of stuff. Uh, it kind of takes you to all the best spots. You can go to Cama Beach. You can go to uh, the state park. You can go you know, around Utsalati. So it's kind of fun just to, if it's a nice day to just take a loop all the way around the island. Uh, and then if we, you know, if we have all day, then a lot of times what I'll do, I know it's kind of far away, but I'll go to, up to Artist Ridge or Artist Point up in, uh, you know, North Cascades. And you got great views of Baker up there. Um, it's And it's a nice drive too, you know. So, um, but yeah, first thing first, we'd have to get coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. All right. Next question. Who is the most interesting person in this community that I should interview next? Uh, yeah. So um, I don't want to get myself in trouble by identifying who is the most interesting person, right? Because I think a lot of people might kind of have their, might argue with me about that. I think there's lots of interesting people on Camino. I think that's kind of the interesting thing about Camino is how many interesting people we have, right? right. It's proximity to Seattle. You got a lot of folks that retire here that have done lots of different things. But the person that, that I think who would be really great for your podcast actually is someone who works here at Camino on Coffee Roasters, uh, is Yvonne. She is uh, our longest serving employee. She was employee number two. She was the first person that Jeff hired. Uh, so she's been with us since the very, very beginning, uh, worked in the barn at his house on Tillicum and she's been with us the entire time, the whole way through. So she's a wealth of knowledge. Um, she loves coffee. She, uh, supervises our fulfillment team. So these are the ladies that are fulfilling our subscription shipments, our member shipments that are going out every week. Um, so yeah, she, she checks everything and makes sure everything is the way that, uh, everyone, uh, expects their coffee to go, you know, so she, uh, lived on Camino a really long time. So she knows, she knows all the stories around Camino and yeah. So I, I'm always picking her brain, asking her questions. So I think yeah. she'd be, she'd be great for your podcast. No, that that's a great idea. 
All right, last question. If you could have any message on a billboard on Camino Island, what would it say? Just right as they're coming on the island. Yeah, I think I was thinking you sent me this question ahead of time. I was thinking about it. Um, I think for me, because of where my life's at right now with Sophie, uh, she loves crabs. Like any, you know, we go into the marketplace and there's like crab t-shirts or like crab, you know, porcelain figures or something. It's like crabs, crabs, crabs. She's so excited about the crabs. Like she just loves crabs. Like you pull up YouTube and it's like, oh, I want to watch crabs. So for me, my whole life right now is like crabs and Camino Island coffee. So what the line I came up with was, plus it's something we do on Camino, right? We go out and we catch crab and we eat it during the summertime. So uh, the line I wrote down was, after catching crabs on Camino, grab some Camino Island coffee. So I think that would be like a great kind of like billboard when you first come on. Not that Camino Islanders want a billboard on Camino, but if you had one on Camino, that would be, I think, something that kind of sums up at least my day-to-day on Camino Island, so. Yeah, no, I def- definitely had a guest on that said, I don't want to put anything on a billboard. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's not a literal billboard. You might want to rethink that question. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, if they want to learn more about uh, Camino Island Coffee, where's the best way to find that out? Uh, well, if you're on Camino Island, you can always stop by the roastery here and, you know, peek in and take a look at what we're working on. Uh, or if you want to get some coffee, you can always go to Camino Commons Marketplace and get some samples there. Um, or, you know, if you're, if you live far away, just check us out on CaminoIslandCoffee.com and that's where you can actually sign up and get your first bag free when you join as a member. Um, we, we keep it real simple. You know, um, if you, you don't like the coffee or you don't want to keep getting the shipments, you just send us an email to cancel. We make it real easy. Um, but yeah, once you start drinking our coffee, it's really hard to kind of go back to something else. So yeah, for sure. I've, I've lived elsewhere in the country where it was harder to get the coffee and it was, it was bad. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. All right. Islanders talk to you later. Well, a big thank you to TJ Fittis for joining us on the Camino Voice, and thank you for listening to us today. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And for more information on this episode or previous episodes, go to CaminoCommons.com slash podcast. That's CaminoCommons.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.